Good morning, Brentwood Church. My name is Dan Vollmer, and it's an honor for me to serve on the elder team here at Brentwood Church. Uh, This morning, we're in part two of our series, Pass It On. Now, last week, we heard from Pastor John and Tammy about where God is leading Brentwood in the near future and some exciting things that we get to look forward to and to pray about. The bottom line last week was that uh, the body of Christ doesn't grow because churches are cool or, or clever or even contemporary. The body grows because people experience Jesus, and then they pass him on to others. About a month ago, uh, we sat down to talk about what the series would look like and what each of us would speak on. So Pastor John says, assume that you're sitting across from someone, and you have an hour with them before you get teleported back a thousand years in the future. I don't know if you've noticed this or not about Pastor John, but a lot of times his scenarios involve time travel or teleportation or aliens and some sort of sci-fi fantasy, which is fine. It's cool. I am just a little bit too much of a realist, all right? But I did understand what he was getting at. What he was trying to do was create a sense of urgency so that we would see what would surface under those conditions. Okay. Now, for me as a realist, I had to come up with a slightly different twist on that scenario. So I said, okay, what about this? What if, what if I had an hour left to spend with my son? And his name's Jude. And it's actually a little hard to talk about because I love my son. And if I think about only having an hour left with him, it's, it, it kind of breaks my heart. But the other thing is, is it's, it's very clarifying And in that moment, as as I thought about if I was spending my last hour with my son, I I knew exactly what I would tell him. I knew exactly what I would want to to pass on to him. Now, before we go any further, let me put that same question to you. You just think about somebody you love. I mean, somebody you love a lot. Somebody that you would would risk anything for. Could be a spouse. Could be a sibling like me. Maybe it's one of your children. Now, imagine if you can, once you've got this person, that you are facing the last moments of your life and you're in the final hour that you'll have to spend with that person, what would you want them to know? Yes, assume all the the standard things about how much you love them and want the best for them, but get past all that and get to the one thing that God has taught you that just rises above all the rest of it. It's pretty clarifying, isn't it? Here's something else I'm willing to bet, though. If you've thought about the one most important thing that you've learned from God, I think there's a pretty good chance that you learned it in the midst of a story. Maybe it was just a a time of your life that you're not totally proud of. I mean, I bet you learned that lesson as a result of a decision or maybe a string of decisions that you kind of regret. This This whole last hour scenario is pretty clarifying about what you would want to pass on. But if we're honest, it's not necessarily your favorite story, is it? Here's the truth about those stories, though. We have all gained eternal wisdom through experiencing personal pain and a a process of of triumph and transformation. But those experiences aren't just for us or for our benefit. God wants us to develop other people with that wisdom. Because passing it on to them helps us to relearn it ourselves. But it also contributes to the progress of others. Okay, back to me and my son. So with the scene in mind, I knew precisely what I would tell him. 
I knew exactly the lesson I learned and, and what my greatest desire is for him as he grows up and, and becomes an adult. But it centers around a story that I'm not proud of. Now, what I learned through that story has changed my life forever. I would want it to change his life. I would want it to change your life too. Okay, now before I get to the story, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the bottom line. You ready? Here it is. Obedience is always the best choice. So practice choosing obedience. You like that? No, it's terrible, right? (laughs) I mean, it sounds exactly like your dad. It sounds so adult and so boring and so not fun at all. I mean, it's like the opposite of fun, right? I mean, nothing about this phrase sounds remotely exciting at all. It's like I tell you, for the rest of your life, practice choosing obedience, and then you die. But here's the thing. Now that we're on the same page, now that I have totally called out exactly what you were thinking, we need to take a look at this for just a minute. Okay? First, practice. Why do you practice something? Nobody likes it, but why do you do it? You practice something because you want to get better at it. You practice because it's very important to you. You put in hours and hours and hours of practice because you have a vision of what the future looks like. You can, you can see a day down the road when you are, when you are better at that thing now, then than you are at it now. I started taking piano lessons when I was seven years old. Not because I wanted to, but because I liked to bang on the piano keys when I was a kid. Okay, quick aside, you put a four-year-old in a room with a piano, they're going to bang on the keys, okay? As did I. So my parents thought it would be a great idea, and they, uh, I always tell people that my parents would not let me quit until they knew I wouldn't, okay? So for the first five years, it was just practice, practice, practice. And then in the fifth grade, I still remember this, in the fifth grade, our music teacher would wheel this upright piano in the room, and he would pass out tambourines and maracas, he'd teach, teach music, and so one day, uh, he learned that, uh, he found out I played piano, and he asked me if I wanted to play something for the class. And I did. And they went crazy. I mean, they loved it. They threw flowers at my feet, and they carried me around. Ah, we love... No, didn't happen like that at all. But I will say this. I was the only kid in fifth grade that had five years of piano practice under my belt. Okay, so they were impressed. Okay. So I enjoyed that, and and all of a sudden, I got to uh, understand what the practice was helping me with. And after a while, I began to play in church, and then I got into high school, and I played in the jazz band. That's right. That's pretty cool. The jazz band. You know you have arrived when you get to play in the jazz band. Okay, so my point being, once I saw the results, once I saw where it was getting me, the practice was easier. I wanted to get better. So anything you love, anything you want to get better at, you're going to practice. Okay, now keep all that in mind. Now we'll go to the next word. Practice choosing. Okay, now that means that you have a choice. Okay, and you do. You, you always have had a choice and you always will. It means that you get to decide. You have options, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But you have the right. You also have an obligation to make a choice. The key here is that you need to recognize what your options are and then you need to make a wise choice. That leads me to the final word. Practice choosing obedience. Obedience to what? Or obedience to whom? 
obedience to the Holy Spirit. Now, if you know Jesus and you've accepted him, then God is giving you the Holy Spirit. And by accepting Jesus, I mean that there was a time in your life when, when you realized, hey, I need to be rescued from my sin. And you recognize that God sent Jesus to earth to redeem your life. And you stood up, or maybe you knelt down, and you said, yes. I believe Jesus lived, and he died, and he rose again. He did it for me. He did it because of my sins. Okay, so at the moment that you accepted Jesus, God gave you the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to listen to and obey him. So, if you're here this morning... And you don't know Jesus. Uh, first of all, we want to say that we're glad you're here. And I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to give you permission to be skeptical about everything I just said. Or, or at the very least, you can, you can think it sounds weird and totally not fun. Okay, I'm okay with that. That's fine. In fact, if you do know Jesus, what I've just said might actually sound like work. Listening to and obeying the Holy Spirit. See, I want to show you that not only is this enjoyable... But learning to choose obedience will allow you to live the best life you can possibly live. The life that that God has created for you. Okay, so turn with me to Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote roughly a third of the New Testament. So like 13 out of the 27 books. Unfortunately, none of which were named for him. But in any case, in the very beginning of the book of Romans chapter 1, Paul says he is writing this letter to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. So that's who he's talking to. Chapter 8, verse 5, Paul says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. See, right here Paul is saying, guys, listen, you have a choice. And which one of these sounds better to you? Death or life and peace? If you choose to obey the flesh, meaning just what you want and what you desire and what you think is best, that is death. But on the other hand, if you choose to obey the spirit, which God gives you at the moment that you trust in him, then that is life and peace. So on the one hand, death. On the other hand, life and peace. It's pretty straightforward, right? In fact, I'm going to make this even easier for us. Let's make a quick list, okay? On the left, we're going to put the flesh. And on the right, we're going to put the spirit. Here's what we know so far. Okay? All right, but that's not clear enough. Let's keep going. Uh, In verse 7, Paul goes on to say, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, now it sounds even worse. I mean, honestly, who wants to be hostile to God? If you choose to obey your flesh, Paul says here, you cannot please God. Not that you just choose now and then not to please God, but you actually can't please him. There's no wavering here. There's no kind of or no maybe. There's no sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh -uh, uh Uh-uh. If you choose the flesh, you are unable to to please God. It just, it it ain't happening. Okay, so now we've added to our list. This is what it looks like. Okay? Looking good. Let's keep going. Verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God who dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Based on these couple of verses, this is what our list looks like now. Now, as we look at this list, let me just first say that there is so much more to these verses and the contrast between the flesh and the spirit. My goal this morning is not that we get a full and complete understanding of everything Paul's trying to say here, because I don't think we could. My goal is for us to look at these verses and understand that Paul is telling us that we have a choice. There are, there are two paths before us, and we have to decide. So look at this list. Now, I don't know about you, but my preference would be to make the kinds of choices that lead to the results on this side. Remember what I said earlier. Not only is obedience to the Holy Spirit enjoyable, but it allows you to fully live the life that God has for you to live. So why do we need to practice? I mean, doesn't this come naturally? I mean, all the time, in every situation of every day of our lives. Listen, if you're a Christian and you're here this morning, you know that the answer is a definite no. And if you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus, you might think it comes naturally, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't. There are lots of times that we still choose to be selfish and and lazy and and ignore God's voice. And I'll tell you why. It's because a lot of times choosing the flesh is easier. It appears that it's going to be less costly. It doesn't look like death. It looks like self-preservation. It doesn't look hostile to God. It just looks like I'm coping with my life. It doesn't look like you are choosing to be a person who cannot please God. Honestly, you're making a choice that you're thinking or maybe even hoping that God won't notice. And one decision at a time, one choice at a time, we are moving in one direction or the other. We are putting ourselves in one column or the other. Death or life and peace. Now, either direction is going to lead us to a story. Last week, Pastor John and Tammy shared some amazing stories about how God is moving in the hearts and lives of people here at Brentwood Church. Those are stories of people who are choosing to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. Now, if you were here last week, you'll remember that hearing those stories, it was very clear that they focused on people who were fully living. We practice hearing and obeying the Holy Spirit. We get involved in some Amazing stories. The opposite is also true. When we choose to ignore the spirit and obey the flesh, that leads to some unfortunate stories. Sometimes it leads us to embarrassing or even worse, painful stories. Stories like the one I would share with my son or that I'll share with you this morning. A couple of years ago, my wife and I were praying for a specific need and within a specific time frame. We committed a month to praying for this need, and the answer to this prayer would have been a very clear provision from God. So the month came and went, and the prayer wasn't answered. Now, it was during that month of prayer that God called my attention to a secret in my life. 
It's a secret that many men share and lots of men deal with. See, I had allowed, it's more accurate to say that I had chosen to look at things that I never should have looked at and to fix my mind on things that I never should have thought about. It's part of my life that I had not given over to God. So during that month of prayer, I felt like God was saying to me, really? I mean, come on. You're going to come to me and ask me for this need? We're not even going to talk about this over here. I mean, you want me to provide an answer in this area, but you're not going to address this area? So when the prayer wasn't answered, in a way, it was. I knew exactly where I stood. I knew what I had heard from God, and I knew what I needed to do. See, I'd been making a choice to follow the flesh. And even though I didn't realize it at the time, it was very slowly bringing death to everything I loved. I needed to make a choice and choose obedience. So this began several difficult, painful months of confession and repentance. There were long conversations. There were lots of tears shed over the wounds that I had created. But out of that also came a dependence on God I had never experienced before. It was tough. It was awful. But it was also freeing. I had, I had peace. Honestly, it, it, it felt good to practice being obedient. And here's the thing. Prior to that catalyst, before that event, I would not have told you that I was choosing death over life. But I was. My life and my marriage were not all that God had intended them to be. I was living a life that was short of God's best. And it was all by my choice. But following that season, following that time where I learned this lesson and I began to practice choosing obedience, my life changed forever. As Paul says in these verses, my, uh, my life was given to my mortal body. Peace was breathed into my soul when I made that choice. And I can honestly say this today, and my wife Rachel would tell you that since that time, our, our life and our marriage just keeps getting better and better. Now listen, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy telling you that story. And when the time comes, I'm not going to enjoy telling it to my son. But he needs to hear it. And I think maybe you do too. Because it was through that story that I learned this most important lesson. The most important lesson I could pass on to my son. And by me telling him, by me telling you, I, I get the chance to relearn it again. So listen, in that final hour with my son, the lesson I would share with him would not be about the dangers of pornography and the price to be paid for sexual impurity, although that is definitely a lesson I learned and an important one that I will pass on to him. I wouldn't share about the biblical mandate of confession and how it's an absolute requirement if we're going to live the life God has for us, although I did learn that lesson, and I want him to learn that too. No, if right now, if in this moment right now, I was facing the last five minutes I had with Jude, I would sit him down and I would look him in the eye 
And I would say, the greatest lesson God taught me through this story is that in order to fully live the life he has for you, you need to practice choosing obedience. Had I done that earlier in my life, I wouldn't have had to share this story with you. I could have avoided all this pain. I could have avoided the broken trust and the wounds and the scars. Had I practiced choosing obedience earlier, the story would be much different. And I would say, for all the pain that I want you to avoid, for all the trust that I want other people to have in you, for your marriage and for your future family, and for the lives that you get to impact, I want you to practice this. I want you to get good at it. I want you to envision a future where you excel at this. I want a life for you where you are skilled in this discipline. Because obedience is always the best choice. So practice choosing obedience. I want you to know that you always have a choice. And that choice isn't always what it appears to be. It's not all gray areas. It's not all subjective. It's not sometimes a secret. It's black and white. It's death or life and peace. It's hostility to God or righteousness through the Holy Spirit. You need to see your life in terms of those choices because obedience is always the best choice. So practice choosing obedience. And it's all about the obedience. As a child of God, the Holy Spirit will guide you. He will give you direction. He will lead you to God's best for your life. It's not work. It's not boring. It's the most abundant, most enjoyable, most rewarding and fulfilling life you could possibly have. I want that for you. I want that for you. Obedience is always the best choice. So practice choosing obedience. Okay, now for the practical part. I'm going to give you some homework. And don't worry, I'm not going to check next week to see if you've done it. I'm not going to corner you in the hallway and, and, and get you to tell me what you did. This is just for me to you. Okay? The only way you're going to get better at this is if you start practicing. So this week, as you go through each, of your, each day of your life, I want you to stop for a second. I want you to think about the choices that you're making and realize that you have a choice. Now, for some of you, there's a sin in your life and you just keep choosing it. And you know it. It is leading you towards death and away from life. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Follow through and obey what he's leading you to do. For some of you, it's much more subtle. Maybe you just have an unforgiving spirit. Maybe you're judgmental. Maybe you're envious. Maybe, maybe you're just plain unloving. See, that doesn't look like a choice. That looks more like a reflex. That looks more like just your attitude. It's just, it's just the way you are, right? No. You need to ask God what your response should be, and then you need to get good doing it. For some of you, this is going to look like going on a missions trip. And for others, maybe taking in a foster child. 
Or maybe you just need to give way more than you're comfortable with so that somebody else can do one of those things. For some of you, it's just going to be as simple as saying what God is whispering in your ear when the time comes. Either in your office or you run into that guy at Target or when your old college roommate calls you and he's got, a, he's got his latest conquest or latest disaster. If you are paying attention, the Holy Spirit is telling you what to say. You're, you have a choice. There's one more thing you can do and we'll, we'll consider this extra credit, okay? You find someone you know who is more practiced at this and follow them. You ask them to tell you their story and let them lead you. Let them teach you from their experiences. Let them pass it on to you. Because here's what I want for my son and for my daughters. I want for them for the rest of their lives as they face a decision or when they're tempted to just lean towards the flesh to look at that choice as a fork in the road. One way is going to lead to life and peace. And the other way is going to lead towards hostility towards God. Which direction do I go? And I want them to get good, really good, at choosing the way that leads to life and peace. And I want that for you too. Listen, if this church or my child, if I could look every single one of you in the eye and pass on the most important thing that God has taught me, this would be it. I want it for each of you individually. I want it for our church collectively. I mean, just, just stop and think about the stories that God would be able to tell through us if we got good at this. Not if we stumbled backwards occasionally into being obedient, but if we got really good at choosing it as a habit. Just think about how God could impact those we know and those we love We just got good at obeying him. So for some of you, your homework's going to start right now. Maybe you need strength or you need courage to take some action and to obey what God has been leading you to do. I want you to feel free to come down here to our response stations and let our church come around you and pray with you and pray for you. Remember, Brentwood Church, no one prays alone. Hey, maybe this is a lesson that you've already learned. Maybe it's a response that you already practiced and you just want to come down, take communion and just thank God for giving you his Holy Spirit. Or maybe your first act of obedience is just to come down here and light a candle for the person God has laid on your heart. You know who that person is and you know you need to speak to him. Maybe you need to pray for him. Maybe you need to forgive them. Maybe you just need to be their friend. You know what? It could even be as simple as raising your hands in worship. An act of obedience. Just honoring God for who he is. As God is speaking to you, I'm going to encourage you to respond. Would you stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you and we are grateful that you want the best for us. And even though we don't always choose it, even though we choose things that dishonor you or that uh, lead us to the wrong path, that you are always there for us to come back. That we can always come back. It's never too late to choose obedience. 
It's never too late to listen to your Holy Spirit and obey. Father, this morning I just pray for each person here that you are speaking to, that you give them courage, that you give them boldness, that you give them strength to step out and say, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow that. I'm going to get good at hearing and obeying the voice of God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.